Lord Jesus, we trust in you and in you alone. You are the hope of our salvation. You are our Redeemer. You are a very present help in times of trouble. You are the one who can make us be perfect in the sight of Father God. Only you, because you are perfect and you laid your perfect life down for us. We are so, so grateful. So grateful for your love that never ends, your mercy that chases after us, your grace that has saved us. And so we come into your presence this morning desiring to worship you with all that we are, all that we have. We ask that your spirit would now open our minds to understand what you would say to us. We ask that you would write your word on our hearts and then help us to live your truth out through our lives. We pray in the beautiful name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thank you, worship team, so much for leading us in worship. This morning, we come to the end of Hebrews 11. Not the end of Hebrews. That's going to take us a little while. But the end of Hebrews 11. So if you have your Bibles, if you'd open them to Hebrews 11, and we're going to begin as we have been doing by quoting, reciting Hebrews 11, verse 1, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Again, I, I think uh, they'll probably be on the screen. If not, then you've got to get, get them in your head, right? Hopefully we've been learning these and we will remember them. So let's, let's say these together and I pray that we will continue to work on them until they are lodged deep in our minds and in our hearts. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Let's say it together. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verses 17 and 18. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Why? Because as we look at things that are, let's say it again, I, I, I messed you up, didn't I? As we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. Things that are seen are transient, passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. And so faith keeps its eyes on the things that are unseen, the things that are most real, the things that are most valuable. I don't know about you, but I enjoy watching football and when you watch football, there's this thing called the fastest three minutes. You guys seen that? The fastest three minutes? It's sort of like a highlight reel of the best plays of the weekend. Sometimes you can see a highlight reel of the best plays of college football for the last year, you know, the top ten plays. Hebrews chapter 11 is sort of like a highlight reel of people of faith from the Old Testament those that stand out in amazing ways whose lives just point to the glory of God because they put their faith in the glory of God. 
But as we come to the end of Hebrews 11, we are told that this highlight reel has not stopped. You see, we looked at some of those highlights. We looked at Abel. We looked at Enoch. We looked at Noah. They showed us that faith impacts every single moment and decision of our lives. We looked at some of those real heroes of the faith, whether it's Abraham or Isaac or, or Moses who led the people trusting God through the wilderness and, and out of tremendous slavery into the freedom of the promised land. We, we heard about people who God knows their names alone. We don't even know their names, but people of whom the, worth, the world is not worthy. People who lived in deserts and in caves, wore the skins of animals. They were sawn in two for their faith. They refused to turn away from their faith in God because they were looking for a better life, something far better than this world, the unseen, which is eternal. We've seen those highlights, and yet we come to the end of chapter 11, and we're told that God has provided something even better for us. Hard to believe, isn't it? We can be in that highlight reel of faith because we have something even better on which to build our faith. If you have your Bibles open, I hope you do, to Hebrews chapter 11, we're in the last two verses. And these verses make the transition from these people of faith in the Old Testament to those of us today. Verse 39, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. There was something missing. Verse 40, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Did you hear the testimony in our baptism this morning? She said, when God looks at me because of the blood of Jesus, he sees Jesus' perfection. She preached the sermon for this morning. That's what it's all about. We have been made perfect because of what Jesus has done for us. What could possibly be better? Verse 39 looks back at the Old Testament saints. Verse 40 looks forward to us today on this side of the cross. But what could be better? Old Testament saints lived by faith, but we are saved by faith, and we live by faith. We're saved by faith looking back to the cross, and we live by faith going forward. The Old Testament saints only looked forward. They could not look back at the finished work of Jesus at the cross. But faith that is grounded in the completed work of Jesus looks forward with full assurance. We are saved, and we're saved by faith. That is past tense. We look forward. We live by faith today. In Hebrews, there is something better all over the book. The Holy Spirit unpacks for us the better that Jesus brings, which comes to a culmination, comes to its completion at the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. But 
let me just review for us some of the better things we have. Chapter 7, verse 9. In Jesus, we have a better hope than the saints of the Old Testament of chapter 11, all of these saints from the hall of faith. Chapter 7, we also have a better covenant provided to us by Jesus. Chapter 8, we have better promises. We have a better sacrifice, chapter 9, that Jesus has provided for us. Christians in chapter 10 accepted the plundering of all of their possessions because they had better possessions through Jesus Christ. The, in chapter 11, the faith of Abraham was, was strong because he was looking forward to a better country. The people in chapter 11 were willing to die for their faith because they were looking forward to a better life. Better, 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 better. But now we have something better, verse 40. God had, has provided something better for us. And what is that something better for us? That apart from us, those Old Testament saints should not be made perfect. We are saved by faith. We have been made perfect by what Jesus did. What does perfect mean in Hebrews? I mean, to say that sounds almost, how can that be? What does perfect mean? Well, in the book of Hebrews, the word perfect is always used to com communicate completeness. Everything has been finished for us to be presented before the Father without sin. It's completely done. It is, the word perfect is a sense of wholeness. It's that we have been made holy. We are completely, fully forgiven. Nothing is left. We're even told in chapter 9 that our conscience has been purified completely. Everything is done. That means it's perfect. Nothing remains for us to do. Jesus has done it all. He can present us before the Father in perfection. None of us deserve to stand before the Father on our own. He's a consuming fire. Each one of us would be immediately consumed by judgment. But Jesus has perfectly provided everything necessary for us to present, be presented to the Father. And instead of being consumed, we are welcomed into his presence. Now, why weren't the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament that we've been looking at in chapter 11, why weren't they made perfect? It's because Jesus' death was required. Apart from Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and his work as, whole, as the high priest representing us before the Father, apart from all of that, no one could be made perfect. The blood of bulls and goats, all of those sacrifices of the Old Testament were not sufficient to make them perfect. They had to look forward to that Redeemer that was coming. And so Jesus says this. Remember these words from Jesus? Speaking about John the Baptist, Jesus said, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist, yet the one who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why? Because on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have been made perfect. John the Baptist was looking forward. He was waiting for the Messiah. But we have seen the Messiah. We have been made perfect. Uh, as we think of being made perfect, remember that is a passive voice. That means it's all done for us. We don't do it. This is not perfectionism. 
We don't earn this. We don't live some kind of perfect life if I just do it all right. No, it has been done for us on our behalf by Jesus. Even our faith is a gift from God. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that faith, it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's all given to us. And so we rejoice. What an amazing gift. We have more than these Old Testament saints. But verses 39 and 40 tell us that we now have a fellowship of faith. We've seen their example, but we have a fellowship of faith with them because together with them, we are made perfect. Apart from us, we're told in verse 40, they should not be made perfect, but with us, they are made perfect. They looked forward to the cross. We look backwards to the cross. But for all of us, it's the cross that makes us completely whole and presentable to the Father. The Old Testament saints always looked forward to the sacrifice that would finally be sufficient to forgive all of their sins. They looked forward to God's provision for their sins, so they had to live by faith. They were looking to the future, looking to faith. Listen to Job. This is what Job said. I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last... He will stand upon the earth. Job was looking forward to the day when his Redeemer would come to earth and, for, and provide a sacrifice that would forgive him for his sins. Isaiah looked forward, but Isaiah looks forward with so much confidence that he speaks in the past tense. This has not happened when Isaiah speaks, but he's so confident. Remember, faith is the conviction of things not seen. This is faith. Listen to Isaiah. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. That had not happened yet. Isaiah was looking forward. He could not be made perfect until Jesus offered his sacrifice on the cross. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Old Testament saints looked forward to the cross, to the Redeemer, to the single sufficient sacrifice for our sins. And they looked forward to that final time when they would be in the city whose designer and builder was God. Abraham always, he could live in tents, he was satisfied with that. He was looking forward to an eternity in the presence of God. So Old Testament saints looked forward to forgiveness to being made perfect, and they looked forward to an eternity in the presence of God. But we have something better. Why is ours so much better? New Testament saints, like us, we look back to the Messiah, back to the cross, back to Jesus' singular sufficient sacrifice for our sins. It's completed. We have been saved by faith. And so in chapter 10, which is all about that sacrifice for our sins, We are told in chapter 10 that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, verse 10. Chapter 10, verse 10, once for all, we have been sanctified by the offering of Jesus. Jesus put it this way when he spoke to Nicodemus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. We look back to Jesus being lifted up on the cross and we have eternal life 
We have been made perfect. But we also look forward. So where the Old Testament saints looked forward to the cross and forward to eternity, we look back to the cross. We have been made perfect, but we look forward to eternity as well. And we look forward with a full assurance, we're told in chapter 10. We have a full assurance. So we live by faith. We're saved by faith, but we still live by faith even as they did. So I love what Paul writes to Titus. We are waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at that, our great God and Savior. Is Jesus God? Yes. God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from the lawlessness. That's looking back. That's already done. He gave himself for us. He redeemed us from all lawlessness and purified for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So we look back to the cross. That's done. We look forward to his return. Philippians chapter 3 talks about how we look forward. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything unto himself. So we look back to what he did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, but we look forward to his return. We can't wait until he comes back from, for us. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 gives us an amazing picture of what we have to look forward to by faith. No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. Whatever you have imagined heaven to be, you aren't even close. What God has prepared for those who love him. We have something better. We don't only look forward. We look back to the cross. We have already been perfected. Jesus has made us, forgiven us completely so that we can be presented to the Father. Now we look forward to the completion of that when he comes and takes us to be with him. Something better, so much better. The Old Testament saints always looked forward. But we look back and forward. Our high priest, all of Hebrews has been about our high priest. He stands before the Father in heaven representing us already. We are already complete in him. When the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness, not our sin. And so we have been perfected. What an amazing gift. We have something better. We have been made perfect. We've been forgiven and cleansed completely. That does not mean we are sinless right now. 1 John chapter 1 says, if we say we have no sin, we make God out to be a liar. We are sinners in and of ourselves. This is not holiness in that I will never sin again. That's not what the Bible is teaching. The Bible is teaching that Jesus' singular sufficient sacrifice for our sins means that all of our sins are already washed away. Past, present, future, they are washed away because I put my faith in Jesus. He has made me presentable to the Father, but I still live by faith. I still look forward to the day when he will return. We have been made perfect. The tense there, one of the beautiful things about Greek, with the way what Hebrews is written in the Greek, is it, is it has so much precision to it in the grammar. The tense there is a tense that says, this is completed all done, nothing has to be added to it. What Jesus did on the cross is finished. It's all done. And the fact that he rose from the grave means that he has conquered death 
It is finished. Now we just look forward to what is yet to come. What was undone in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned, this perfect world that God created, they messed up through sin, Jesus has now corrected for us. We've been made perfect. Let that sink into your mind. If you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, the Scripture says you have received the gift of perfection. Doesn't mean that you will never sin. Doesn't mean that you are perfect. Doesn't mean that I am perfect. My wife will tell you I am not. But it does mean that because of Jesus' complete, sufficient, singular sacrifice for our sins, when the Father looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. That is stunning. But if you're here and you're trying to please God, you're trying to be worthy of God, you're trying to make sure you can get to heaven someday, you never can and you never will. It is only accepting what Jesus has done on our behalf. That is when we can be made perfect. He gave a once and for all sacrifice for our sins. Let me just remind you of how it's phrased in chapter 10. Chapter 10, verse 10, we're told that he has set us apart, sanctifying us through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. And then God says, I will remember their sins, their lawless deeds, no more. He won't even remember them. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any sacrifice for sin. It's done. It's completed. It's finished. We have been made perfect in Jesus in the eyes of our Father in heaven. But this perfection requires the whole work of Jesus' life. What he did for us is absolutely amazing. And we have it pictured for us in Hebrews. Let's go back. It's going to be on the screen. Just look at a couple verses that remind us of this better work, this complete work that Jesus has done for us. He is perfect. He has offered a perfect sacrifice to make us perfect. Listen to what Hebrews has taught us. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Who in every respect, speaking of Jesus, has been as we are, he lived among us in human flesh like us, yet without sin. Jesus is perfect. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, when Christ had offered one sacrifice for all time, a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. He represents us now before the Father because he has offered a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, consequently, he's able to save to the uttermost. Remember, remember that word? To the uttermost. He can save us completely, those who draw near to God through him, not through ourselves, not through our good works, not through our baptism, through nothing else, through Jesus, since he always lives to make intercession for us. So he lived a perfect life, chapter 4. He made a perfect sacrifice for our sins, chapter 10, and he still intercedes for us before the Father. He has done everything for us to present us before the Father, complete, whole, completely forgiven. And chapters 12 and 13 are going to tell us that because he has done this for us, we owe him everything we have and everything we are. Our lives need to be wholly, fully submitted to him out of thanksgiving.
Look at how the word perfect is used in Hebrews. We've been studying Hebrews for a long time, and we can forget how many times we have seen this word show up in Hebrews. But let's look. It's going to be on the screen. You'll see it. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19. This is what could not make us perfect. The law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. So there's something better, but the law made nothing perfect. Obeying the law makes nothing perfect because we fail. We've always sinned. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Old Testament saints were not made perfect until a perfect sacrifice was offered, which was Jesus. They always looked forward, but we look back and forward. So for us, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, by a single offering he has perfected, here it is again, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Perfected, it's finished. We are perfect before the Father because of Jesus, and yet we are still being sanctified. That means the Holy Spirit is still making us to be the people we should be. In Jesus, we're perfect, but that work is still going on in us in a practical sense. We have been made perfect. Chapter 12, verse 2. We're going to get there one of these days, looking to Jesus, who's the founder and what? Perfecter of our faith. And then chapter 12 talks about when we're going to get to heaven, and we're told that we have come to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Our names are listed in heaven. And we've come to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of, listen to this, the righteous made perfect. Righteous people made perfect. That's the Old Testament saints and New Testament saints like you and me who have been made perfect. How? By Jesus, by this single sufficient sacrifice for our sins. So think about this for a moment. All of these Old Testament saints that we've been studying for the last couple of months, their amazing faith looking forward to a Redeemer one day and looking forward to an eternity in heaven one day, all of those Old Testament saints had something less than you and me with which to live by faith. We look back at a completed work of Jesus on the cross, all done, and with that foundation, we look forward all they had was looking forward. We have something far better. And what does that mean for us? It means that we ought to live to an even higher standard than they did. Our faith has a firm foundation in the past, and we still look forward. Theirs only looked forward. We ought to be living lives of faith that are so amazing that the world is not worthy of us. They did. What about us? I love the way John Calvin put it when he was preaching on this passage. Speaking of those Old Testament saints, this is what Calvin said. A small spark of light led them to heaven. 
a little bit led them to heaven. But when the sun of righteousness shines over us, Jesus has come, he's lived, he's died, he's risen again. With what presence can we excuse ourselves if we still cleave to this earth? Abraham said, I am happy to live in tents my whole life and be a sojourner on earth. God, you promised me this whole land of Canaan and the only piece of it I've ever owned is a burial plot for my wife and myself. I'm fine with that. Why? Abraham said, I'm looking forward to a city whose designer and builder is God. He was looking forward. If Abraham can live with that kind of faith and all he had was a little spark, a little glimmer, we have Jesus who came and lived this perfect life and died in our place and rose again and promised us heaven. How much more should we be living for him? We have been saved by faith. We now live by faith. How much more should we now live by faith than them? We have already received that promised salvation. They had not received it. Look at verse 39. Although, and, and all these, though commended through their faith, they did not receive what was promised. What did they, they not receive? As long as they were alive on earth, they did not receive that single sufficient sacrifice for their sins. Jesus hadn't died yet. They still believed. We have received that. We can look back and see the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. How much more then should our lives be lives lived in faith? Listen to Jesus' words. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, Everyone to whom much is given, of him much will be required. We have been given so much. So much more than the Old Testament believers. What that means is, of us, even more will be required than of them. Yet, brothers and sisters, we aren't called to sit back and say, Jesus died for me, he forgave me, he's given me salvation, and I'm going to heaven, and I am just thankful, and I'm going to sit back. That is not what we're called to. We are called to give him thanks for that salvation and for that complete perfection that he has provided for us in heaven. But now we are to run a race, and that's how chapter 12 begins. Let us, therefore, if we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who didn't have what we have, boy, we better run this race, and we better run it really, really well. If the Old Testament saints could live by the kind of faith that they lived by, without receiving the promise of the cross. How much more should we? A couple of weeks ago when we were looking at the verses, verse 38, of whom the world is not worthy, I told you about a young man in 2018 named John Chow who laid his life down. People are still living by faith. Just since two weeks ago when I shared that story, the Voice of the Martyrs has made a little video about him. I want you to see it right now. God, I don't want to die. 
Who will take my place if I do? Jesus told his followers to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to every nation, to the ends of the earth. John Chow was a teenager when he took his first missions trip and when he felt called to invest his life to reach the people of North Sentinel Island, who had violently rejected all previous contact with outsiders. John answered that call. Here am I, send me. For the next nine years, every decision John made was with an eye toward going ashore on North Sentinel Island. He served in multiple countries to gain missions and ministry experience. He trained in linguistics to help learn their language. He was certified as an EMT in the hope of serving the tribesmen medically. Once I said yes to Jesus, I was committed. I was all in. I believe that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. I want my life to reflect obedience to Christ and to live in obedience to him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. In 2018, with the backing of his missions agency, John went to North Sentinel Island. He knew the risks, but his passion for the North Sentinelese and his desire to be obedient to Christ drove him forward. Sitting in the boat, getting ready to go ashore, John penned a final note and a challenge to his family. You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he has called you to, and I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand, and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 to 10 states. I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Within hours of writing those words, John Chow was killed by the Islanders. John believed that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience, and he would be obedient to God's call, no matter the cost. There are still followers of Jesus of whom the world is not worthy. He believed that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. Not how to get to heaven. Jesus has done that for us. Made perfect. Something that the Old Testament believers did not have. Jesus has done it all. He has made us perfect because of his sacrifice. We can stand before God. But now, what will we do? One day, we're going to be in his presence. We're going to spend eternity with him. Will he be able to say, 
when he looks at you and he looks at me, the world was not worthy of you. My prayer is that there will be some of us in this room right now this morning that the Holy Spirit in heaven will be able to say, the world was not worthy of you. Not because you deserved to go to heaven. None of us do. We are made perfect by the singular, sufficient sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. But we still live by faith. We don't hold on to this world and not what this world offers us because faith is the conviction of things not seen. Are we living for what is not seen? The next words in chapter 12, therefore, let us also lay everything aside and run the race. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we bow before you so overwhelmed that you have provided everything we need. You have perfected us not because we are perfect, but because you are perfect and you offered a perfect sacrifice and you represent us now as our high priest in heaven. We cannot even imagine how we can be considered perfect, but it's only in you, Lord Jesus. And yet you've still left us on this planet, on this globe for a purpose. Having been saved by faith, Lord, help us to live by faith. And help us not to cling on to this world, which is transient, because we can see it, but to live for the kingdom of heaven, which is unseen, but which is eternal. We pray in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen.